You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the Auto Inc. family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at kiaofamarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? Pam, I'm doing great. Good. Enjoyed the holidays? I did. How about yourself? Good. They were great. You know, I always get so excited whenever we have somebody new on our podcast. Yeah. Someone that um, we get to share their knowledge. Um, But I'm really excited today because this person has joined our team, and we are so blessed to have her um, help us with our patients. We are. And, you know, you're talking about the holidays, and, um, you know, you can't... uh, go without thinking of the holidays when you think about food. Right. And um, food and nutrition in a cancer diagnosis, in a cancer world, in a cancer journey, really can be troublesome. Yes. Right? Yes. Can be problematic, maybe. Matter of fact, I just talked to a patient this morning. She was talking about how how hard it was for her just to eat. Yeah. Um, because of the nausea. And not only that, right, but the uh, certain things cause certain problems and spices. And I'm sure we'll get into some of this, but you know, and I I can feel, I can hear a lot of our listeners going, Oh yeah. If you only knew if you right, everything tastes like cardboard or nothing tastes good. It's all bad. Yes. So that's why, right. It's important for us to have a dietitian that we have here at the center. Yes. And a good resource, someone that they can come and talk to because nutrition um, can I feel like make or break a a treatment. Sure. You know, we often say a support group makes a big difference, right? Or activities makes a big difference. Being active and being um, engaged and being involved. But you're right, Pam. Nutrition is, and I know that our guest is going to 100% agree with that, that nutrition can make or break um, that whole cycle. And so Rachel Hutto is joining us today. Rachel, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are so glad that you're here, that you're joining us and have been with us now for several months, seeing our patients, working with survivors. Um, you know, it, it is a key component, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, Rachel is a, a licensed dietitian. Um, she's got a lot of letters after her name, of which I have zero. And so, you know, it's important that we have strong folks to work with our, our survivors that know their stuff. And I know, Rachel, I always say this, no no pressure, but I know you do. So let's let's jump right in and let's talk about malnutrition and, and what that looks like in a cancer survivor or a cancer patient. Absolutely. I think that... Um Whenever we first start to hear the word malnutrition, our very first thought um, is just somebody who is very frail um, and is maybe underweight. And while that patient can absolutely be malnourished, um, so can somebody who is of normal weight um, or maybe has some excess weight on because at the end of the day, um, malnutrition really looks at poor nutrition. Um, and that has to do with more than just what our bodies look like. Um, that has to do with calories, with, uh, protein, vitamins, minerals, and how our bodies process those things and how it allows us to, um, continue our activities of daily living, being able to care for ourselves, being strong, um, to be able to continue on with what we're doing. So what is the definition of malnutrition? 
Malnutrition specifically would be, uh, like I said, poor nutrition. Um, But if we're looking at it in like a medical sense, we would be really defining it as um, weight loss or loss of lean body mass, loss of um, subcutaneous fat mass, um, poor oral intake over the course of several days to several months. Um, and looking at that grip strength and saying how um, how are our muscles functioning is what our nutritional intake and that looks like is that leading to um, poor muscle mass is that decreasing our strength and like I said our ability to care for ourselves and do the things that we would normally do. I never would have guessed that. Right. You know, you think of a malnutrition is something totally is. And I was following along and tracking like, yep, yep, yep. Until you got to the grip strength. And I'm like, wait a second, how does this fit? But then when you explained it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Our bodies are very complex and crazy things. And so things. they are. And so it's, it's no surprise that a simple word and simple thought of malnutrition is really in depth and it involves lots of things. Right. So for cancer patients, how, how can they tell or what are some signs they need to, you know, hey, maybe I need to get a hold of the dietitian? Yeah, absolutely. I think that any time that we are taking in less than 75% of what we would consider normal intake for more than five to seven days, that should be an automatic red flag. And that's something that typically is what starts a patient's journey down that road of or nutrition that may or may not lead to malnutrition. Um, on top of that, uh, you start seeing weight loss. And um, the biggest red flag is starting to see more than 2% within a couple of weeks time frame or more than 5% of weight loss within a month's time frame. And so um, those are really like the first acute signs that somebody themselves can be able to tell at home, or you might be able to um, see your loved one, their clothes are fitting differently. um, And you know that they haven't been eating well, maybe it's time to start that conversation and say like, what can we do um, to start addressing this? And I think too, you hit on a really key point there, I think is um, loved ones, caregivers noticing those kinds of things. Right. Um, I may not notice it, right? Or, or the as the patient might not notice it necessarily, like, nah, I'm just not really that hungry. It's not tasting so good or it's not whatever. But when a loved one starts to notice it, um, be an advocate, right? And, and, and let's get something going on this because malnutrition leads to worse things or continued malnutrition, right? Absolutely. And, you know, research would show us up to 85% of oncology patients will or could experience malnutrition at some point in time um, during their care. Um, and that's a really large percent. Wow. Um, yeah. We we know that malnutrition also um, leads to things like increased risk of infection. Um, and increased risk of infection also will, you know, lead to delay in care um, during our our chemo or radiation cycles. And so um, I always remind people that that malnutrition can directly affect um, your care. And too often we just um, accept the fact that an oncology diagnosis sometimes just comes with weight loss and um, you're just, you're not going to be able to do what you normally would do. And um, I think it's so important for us to say, you know, this shouldn't be just part of acceptance of the diagnosis. How can we find a way um, to combat that so that way we can make our overall care and our overall course of care better? So you talked about intake. How do we know what the normal intake for a person is? Yeah. And I think that 
a normal intake for each person is individualized. Um, and you could have two people standing beside each other that have the exact same body weight and it might be different for each of them. But I think saying, what was I doing a month ago? Um, whenever I was feeling quote unquote normal, um, before I, you know, had a diagnosis that was sitting in front of me and what did that intake look like versus what my intake looks like now? Um, and sometimes you might be far enough down the road that you might not remember what that looks like. Um, and I think that that is especially a time when you need to sit down with, um, a healthcare professional, a dietitian, uh, bring it up to your physician and say, you know, what should that look like for me? Because maybe you don't know what that looks like anymore. Right. And I think that's a, a great segue right into why we have a dietitian on staff. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a very important thing. And of course, just, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to suspect this is the case, but just because maybe um, you're on one set of treatment right now and everything's rolling and rocking really good and you're able to eat and then you change treatments, you do something different. Um, malnutrition is just because you haven't had it doesn't mean you're not going to get it throughout your entire treatment journey. Absolutely. Um, changes in treatment, uh, changes in emotions. You know, our emotional state has a lot to do. Um, food is, you know, nourishing, but it's also a relationship that we have with food. Um, and sometimes people's emotions lead to more intake and sometimes it leads to less intake. And so I think that all of those things have an effect um, on what that journey looks like. I know when I get stressed, I sure like the chocolate. <laughs> Absolutely. So make me some ice cream. <laughs> and lots of it, right? <laughs> Probably not the best choice, but right, right. it's that relationship. You said 85% of cancer patients have malnutrition. They could at some point in time research. The range is really big, but it says up to 85% could experience malnutrition at some point in time. So I feel like most of our listeners probably are thinking, yeah, that was me. Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me kind of when I think back of some of our previous podcasts where the statistics are so high, right? Like we talked about how um, I think it's like 90 something percent will have cognitive delays or cognitive dysfunction. Uh Um, And it's just it's where I I struggle with that is just like cancer is bad enough. Right. You know, and then you throw on top of it this and you throw on top of that and then, you know, nutritional delay or malnutrition or things don't taste right and things like that. Um, what are some like tricks, you know, like um, how can we combat some of this? Yeah, for sure. I think that um, finding ways to eat more often um, and that's probably something that just about every single patient has been told. How many times a day can you eat five times a day, six times a day? instead of just our typical three times a day. Um, And sometimes that's a challenge in and of itself, just because you don't want to eat, maybe. Um, And so then I always say, how can we optimize our volume? How can we say, how how can I get more calories in, in the amount that I'm consuming? So that way I'm not asking you to eat six times a day or to eat a huge amount six times a day. Um, And so we know that, Uh, fat has higher calorie density than protein and carbohydrates. And so sometimes that's adding an additional butter, additional oils, um, finding ways that we can quote unquote fortify our foods. Um, And it's a different thought process than probably many people have gone throughout their lives thinking of saying, can I add more, add more. Exactly. (laughs) To cut out, cut out, take (laughs) out the butter. Yeah. Yeah. And so adding those things back in is important. Um, 
we can't forget about protein though, because that is such an important um, nutrient for us to get in as well, um, to keep our muscles strong, to help um, help us um, heal um, in any type of way. And um, so all of those things are important because like I said, being able to care for yourself, keeping your muscles strong, but we also know that loss of lean body mass um, leads to poor outcomes. And so whenever we want to, you know, exercise and stay strong, um, that nutrition and that protein intake is part of that too. So is there a go-to protein that is easy for a lot of patients? You know, it really just depends on who you are. Um, dairy protein is what we find in a majority of things. Most of your protein um, shakes that you're going to go out and grab are going to be you know, whey or casein, uh, proteins and sometimes whey is tolerated better, um, than casein is, but casein, uh, protein is important too. Um, and sometimes we're not tolerating any of those things and we need to, um, do like a pea protein, um, or something that's more plant-based. And so I always say, um, what works for you is important, but not only what works for you, but what tastes good and what are you actually going to consume? Um, because just because somebody says that, X is better than Y, um, but you're only going to take in X half the time, whereas you might take in Y all of the time. Um, what, which one is going to give you more strength and more energy? Yeah, makes right. total sense. You talk about taste changes. And um, what are some things that tips or tricks that you can share with our listeners about taste changes and maybe making your food taste better so that you get those calories? Yeah, and I think that... That depends on where um, your taste buds are at that point in time. Um, a lot of people still really like sweet foods um, and can still, you know, maybe tolerate that. Um, and so being able to find ways that uh, we can concentrate the foods that we like and the foods that um, taste good to us um, could be a way to work around that. Um adding seasonings in that you know that you tolerate um, and maybe helping with aromas um, because our smell has a lot to do with our taste as well. Um, and Or that might be taking out aromas. Um, maybe that is that we're, you know, eating cold foods instead of hot foods because um, that, that smell that is put on at the beginning with the hot foods uh, doesn't sit well with us. Um, and so uh, utilizing um, our, our olfactory nerves is important in our taste as well. Everything builds on each other. And it, it's funny how you, how you said, you know, adding spices, adding this or removing spices. I know that Pam, we've had discussions about like our survivor celebration. Like it needs to be something that is not too spicy, you know, not too bland. Not too bland. It's almost kind of like the three bears. Right. Just <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. The other thing too is as you, that you mentioned that I want to kind of come back to is you talk about like working out and exercising, because that's one of the things we talk about here at the survivorship center is being active at whatever level someone is at. Um, it's key. Another reason to probably sit down and visit with yourself or a dietitian if they're elsewhere is um, if they are in treatment and they're wanting to get engaged in like a walking group or they're wanting to be involved in things because there's probably a delicate balance with having enough versus having too much or not having an, enough at all. Absolutely. And Exercise, like you said, is so important, but we are burning calories. Um, and if we're already having a hard time maintaining our weight um, and we are burning calories on top of that, then it's even more important that we're finding ways to get calories in um, and being able to mitigate that weight loss and being able to say, okay, like I can stay active. I can um, 
help increase my muscle mass or, you know, maintain my muscle mass. But at the same time, I'm getting the nutrition in that I need to make sure that I don't lose weight. Yeah. Is there ever a time where it's like whatever you can eat, whatever you can get, you need calories. It doesn't matter what it is. If this is, you know, what it is, then that's what we're eating. I think that that is so often the case, especially when we get down the road from more of a moderate malnutrition to a severe malnourished state, is that what can we get in at that point in time? Where are the calories? Uh, We can talk about vitamins and minerals and find other ways to get those things in. Um, And we can fortify with protein and we can do all of those things. But at the end of the day, like we have to get the calories in. And I think that that is something else that's really important that it's calories first. Um, We often talk so much about protein, um, but if we don't just meet our basic demands of caloric needs, that additional protein isn't doing anything for us. It's just going to our basic needs. It's helping us to just survive. Um, It can't do all the healing. It can't do the lean body mass. Um, It can't do all of those things until we've met our basic caloric needs. And then it can start helping us and we can get more calories in through more protein. And then it can continue to help us to do all those things because if we're not meeting baseline calories we're basically just in you know maintenance mode um our bodies are just saying i I, i'm whatever calories you're giving me from whatever it is i'm just using that to survive yeah so i'm guessing everybody's caloric and uh intake is different absolutely absolutely it really depends on um age gender activity level um sometimes diagnosis um and location of that diagnosis, the therapies that you might be going through, um, those things can all change and and moderately malnourished versus severely malnourished or a nourished state. Um, all of those things are going to, you know, change, um, what, what we need. Nothing simple. (laughs) I mean, it's really not, it, 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 it's so well, it's simple, but it's complex, I guess, maybe, in, right? It's like there's a point where it's like calories and, you, you, you know, we'll take more, we'll do this, and it all depends on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it is something that we don't think about most of the time. Um, nutrition is something that we get from the time that uh, we're conceived. Um, and it's just part of our everyday life. Um, but even going back to what you said about um, cognitive deficits and all of those things, it's the one thing that constantly affects the rest of our life. Um, and we just take it for granted because it's just something that we do every single day. It's just food. Right. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so, you know, it goes back to, um, it can help with cognitive function. It can help with lean body mass. It can help with strength. It can, you know, help your GI tract feel better. It can help you feel better. Your skin, your hair, your nails, um, all of those things are affected by our nutritional intake. And it's just really something that a lot of the times uh, we take for granted until we have problems with it. It's in bad shape at that point. So is there any other tips or tricks that you can share with our listeners um, regarding this? I think just be an advocate for yourself. Um, If you are seeing these things and you're not uh, being able to combat them uh, yourself or you've sat down with a dietitian and we're still not being able to stop that weight loss, um, you're eating six times a day, you're doing as much as you can, there's other avenues um, that can help us out. Um, There are 
medications that can increase our appetite. There are um, nutrition support uh, that can be utilized. And sometimes uh, we just have to be educated enough to bring those things up and advocate for ourselves to our physicians. Um, Because as I've heard a multitude of times, you know, our oncology physicians are very, you know, they want to focus on that oncology diagnosis, which is their job. Um, but that's why you'll have other people here to help support those other areas yeah. um, and to help to educate and empower um, our survivors. Because uh, if you don't know, then you don't know how to be able to bring that up to your physician and have those conversations. And everything starts with what we put in our mouth. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm, if I'm hearing Rachel correct, which I know I am, and I want to make sure everybody else is, it sounds like, Nutrition is the basis for everything. Yes. And everything that you're going through, whether it's, you know, your treatment, you're going to have hopefully better outcomes, potentially better outcomes. You're, you're going to feel better. You're, you're, she even mentioned hair, Pam. Right. I, I, it's probably too late for my hair, but <laughs> I think, you know, you're, th- those types of things. It's, I mean, in all seriousness, it is. It's like the basic building block. Yeah. And I think um, <laughs> it's all the more important that everyone knows that we have a dietitian here. You know, you may have a dietitian at your hospital. Uh, you may have a dietitian at your survivors. I mean, it's your cancer center, your treatment facility, whatever it may be. If you, you know, if you live in the 26 counties and you don't have access to a dietitian, you do here. Right. hundred percent. Um, you know, I would say too, just as, as you said, Rachel, being an advocate is ask, find out, is there a dietitian here? Can we see a dietitian no matter where you are? If you are at um, a treatment facility here in town, ask, um, you know, and, and, and one does, one doesn't, we're here. Uh, you know, if you live out of town, ask. That's a key piece, is, as you said, being an advocate. Um, if you live here and you don't have access to a dietitian, you do here and it's free. Yes. Rachel's services are free of charge. Um, Rachel, I know you're able to meet them in person. Uh, you've done some over the phone calls mm-hmm. as well. So it, it's not like, well, I, I live an hour away. I can't come in and meet with the dietitian. It can be done over the phone, right? Yeah, absolutely. Readily available and um, able to make our survivors' um, schedules work with mine. Yeah. I do have another question. So if a person does have a cancer diagnosis and let's say a chronic um, disease um, like diabetes, heart disease, whatever it may be, does that um, – make it more complex to treat the malnutrition? Absolutely. And we have to take those chronic disease states into account. Um, But we also have to be able to sit back and say, you know, where cost benefits um, and what's most important right now? Uh, Because sometimes um, we just might need to be working with the physician and saying, can we change our diabetes regimen, our medications to better control blood sugars by doing X, Y, and Z? Or um, can we monitor our um, cholesterol labs more uh, carefully and be able to change some other things here uh, with nutritional intake of fiber uh, while maybe we're taking in, you know, more fats or something to be able to combat the malnutrition? Um, You know, it's not just a here's your diagnosis and here's what we do. Um, it's looking at the patient's overall, you know, medical state, but also, um, what's your lifestyle? What's your family, um, status look like? What does your support system look like? Are you still working? Um, are you at home? What does your caregivers do and how can they be able to help provide for you? And, um, what 
what is the best thing for you? And like I said earlier, um, what is something that you're going to do um, on a consistent basis? Because at the end of the day, if uh, you're not going to do it, then we got to find a different route. I think we live in a world where we want a quick fix, um, a pill or something, but it all starts with just simple things that we can put in our mouth. And and it starts with taking that first step. Right. You know, um, being uh, your best advocate and, and being involved and being engaged. Yes. Yeah. Rachel, I, I, I thank you for imparting the knowledge. I literally, Pam, we talk about this all the time. I learn something every single podcast. You know, you think, oh, malnutrition, eh, you're not eating enough. Well, it's not as simple as that. I think whenever I brought it up to you, you were like, mm, I don't know about that topic. I was like, I don't know. I mean, doesn't everyone know what malnutrition is? And it's it, and not to downplay it. It is not as simple as you think, as we just proved. Yeah. So, gosh, thank you for um, what you do with our survivors and for being available. That's the cool thing. She is available. It's not like, well, we, we gosh, we'll see you. She can see you in six weeks. That's not the case. Um, we, we make sure that we our folks are available to get seen and be uh, helped right away because it is that important. And nutrition doesn't start at diagnosis and end at end of treatment either. It can no. be after that. So sure. if you're still struggling, make sure you give us a call, 806-331-2400. Yeah, and the key thing too, just as Pam, the last thing you, you – you know, we talked about malnutrition can be the opposite of what you think, right? You know, you've gone through treatment and you've put on an excess of pounds. Um, and there, there is help for that too, working through the through nutrition as well as our groups. So that leads us to our last segment. We are sponsored by the Auto Inc. family. Do you have an inspiring moment that you could share with us? Absolutely. Um, I have had a patient um, in the outpatient space before that is just really um, struggling with being able to maintain weight, not only because of oral intake, but also because of just some gastrointestinal issues. And so um, being able to work through different ways to be able to um, resolve those gastrointestinal issues and then finding ways to get um, more oral intake in over time and um, be able to stop weight loss. And, uh, you know, she's doing really well now and um, being able to put on a little bit um, weight here and there and um, active and feeling great. So, yeah. That's awesome. I, I would imagine there's a lot of opportunities in the world of nutrition to have some inspiring moments. Absolutely. Probably not just one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for reals, for reals. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for joining us. Thank you for, uh, what, as I said, what you do with our survivors. Pam, I think, um, you know, this is one of those episodes that you could listen to today you could listen to next week and it, and it'd be totally something different that you need from this episode because it, it changes. Right. And that's a key thing to think about is maybe this is something that, um, you know, you know, you and a friend of yours or a fellow survivor here at the center or someone that you know, that's been a cancer survivor have talked about like, Oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. I need to be better about. So that's, what's important to, um, take to heart and, 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 and engage with a dietitian. Yes. And it's a simple phone call, 806-331-2400. And maybe um, 
look out for the calendars in the beginning of the year. There might be some nutrition classes coming up. Yeah. Yeah. We're super excited. Uh, Rachel's going to be doing some nutrition classes for us in the new year. And uh, yeah, that's, but there's so much new coming. Yes. In fact, there's a new podcast episode coming up soon about what's new in next year. (laughs) So don't skip (laughs) out on any episodes. That is a lot of news. (laughs) That is a lot of news. But no, absolutely. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be a one-on-one setting. I know, uh, Rachel, with a class, folks are able to ask questions and have their questions answered. And so just another way that, that she's available to help folks. Yes. So it just never ends. We are we are here, and as Pam said, 806-331-2400 is the simple phone call. Give us a call, get your questions answered, and then make sure and join us next time for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.